Hello and welcome to the Sports Fathers, episode 48, recorded on the 20th of July, 2015, baseball, golf, and a CFL rant. In this episode, we talk about the Major League All-Star Game that happened last week, the PGA's Open Championship, and I go on a rant about the CFL. All that coming up next. Hey everyone, this is Father Daryl Mollett, and yeah, it's been a while since you've heard my voice, uh, which of course may be a good thing, depending on your point of view. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't uh, everyone uh, all celebrate it at once or anything, of course, um, but... Yeah, it's been quite a few weeks since you've heard from me. Uh, previously, you'd heard me recording this podcast from the beautiful community of Watson, Saskatchewan. Uh, this is where I was posted as the parish priest for the last five years. I had four wonderful rural parishes out in Saskatchewan, rural Saskatchewan. But, you know, as in many areas of life, things change. And as of the 1st of July... I've been posted as pastor of Holy Spirit Parish in the city of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And this is also a wonderful place. It's a large city parish with a tremendous amount of stuff going on. And so I've slowly been settling in along with my dog, Chloe, and my new uh, parochial vicar, Father Charles. So, so that's what I've been up to. I've been busy moving, basically, and settling in for the last, oh, when did you hear me? Seven weeks ago or so? Uh, but I'm very glad to be back recording podcasts once again. Uh, I've also got to say a huge thanks and shout out to Father Kyle Sanders, who's been busy recording episodes of Soccer Trunks. Uh, do check those out. Those are over at the, the sportsfathers.com and in the uh, the main podcast feed. I've, I have to admit, I've been learning an awful lot about soccer from Father Kyle and from Zach Tucker, the seminarian. So a huge thank you for, for them. And, and also Father Kyle recorded episode 47 of this podcast and did, did a great job of that. So, so thank you very much. And you will hear a little bit more from Father Kyle Sanders later on in this episode. But first, we've got a great segment for you. So uh, earlier this evening, I fired up Skype and I had a great little baseball chat with the other Father Kyle that you've also heard previously on this show, Father Kyle Schnippel, and also with the Catholic drinky, Sarah Vabulous, the one and only Sarah Vabulous, I guess our, our lay correspondent for this episode. So take a listen. And the Major League Baseball season is now just over half finished. Uh, the All-Star Game was a week ago tomorrow, so I guess that would have been July the 14th. And here to break it all down, we've got Father Kyle Schnippel in the city where the All-Star Game was played in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hello, Father Kyle. Hello, Father Darrell. How are you? I'm doing all right, although apparently I'm not watching enough baseball to say much coherently about it. We'll fix that problem. Thank you very much. I'm very appreciative. Uh, and, and someone else who also has been watching baseball and has some idea what's going on, someone that you heard the voice of uh, a couple episodes back in episode 46 when they took me out to my first ever Major League Baseball game, Sarah Vabulous, CatholicDrinky.com, and uh, you're down in Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, Sarah. Hello, fathers. 
All right. So we've... So was that we, awkward enough? Okay, that, good. That's very awkward. Okay, Thank good. you. Bye. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> I'm calling it. Okay, <laughs> Father Kyle Sanders, when I suggested we, we have you on the show, he said, hey, she's our lay correspondent, <laughs> the Sports Fathers. Well, you know what? That'll work. I mean, I do I do love you guys and pray for you guys every day. So that counts for something. Well, thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thank you. Much appreciated. All right. So All-Star Game happened six days ago-ish. Uh, the American League defeated the National League six to three. Now, what what I would like you guys to do because you guys know a lot more about this than I do. It's my understanding that the All Star Game in Major League Baseball actually means something. You know, as yeah. opposed to like hockey or I guess football doesn't play one. But oh, they have the they have the Pro Bowl. Um, uh, what football has the Pro Bowl after the season, so it doesn't right. really doesn't mean much. So. Except for you get to go to the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. Oh, well, that, well, yeah, that, that could that, be that, something. That is pretty pretty stellar. <laughs> is that in February usually too? Or Yes. Oh, yes. well, that's week, good. Usually week before, week after the Super Bowl. Oh, well, that's, so that's actually pretty good then. Yep. Um, but, yeah, back to baseball since this is what we're talking about. Uh, now it counts. So a couple years ago they had a uh, an all-star game that they, they – basically ended in a tie because they ran out of players uh, because they try to get all the players in and, and baseball continues on when there's a tie and, and it went into extra innings and they just ran out of players on the bench. And so uh, they just, uh, Bud Selig called the game and uh, in response to the outcry, they, um, uh, they determined that from there on out, Whoever, whichever league wins the All Star Game, gets home field advantage in, in the um, in the uh, World Series that oh, for that year. So, oh, that's that's actually quite fascinating. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, or, I guess that means they actually crazy. try it then, as opposed to uh, say yeah, the, the, uh, the NHL All Star Game, where they just basically try to avoid getting hurt and have fun. Yeah. Which has its own charm too, but it's you know it's not nearly as intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd say NBA All-Star Game is much the same way as that. Okay. So, so you both watched the game? Yes. I caught part of it. I didn't catch the whole thing, but I caught most of it. Okay. What were your impressions, Sarah? Um, well, it was an All-Star Game. No, uh, Cincinnati <laughs> did a, a super job um, putting it together. I thought the fans were really into it, which when you're dealing with something like an all-star game, it's really important to have a buy-in from the crowd um, that's not just interested in their home team, though that was very entertaining. But you could tell that they just were so honored to have this event hosted in their city. And all the players were, uh, in all of their interviews, very grateful for the opportunity. It didn't seem like some of the other sports that um, where they have athletes that come out and proclaim they're the best athletes <laughs> in the world. None of these baseball players um, seem to have that attitude. They were truly grateful and honored that the fans voted them in and that they were able to be there on behalf of their team to participate in this great mid-season event um, and just really bring uh, baseball back to life in so many different ways. You know, I think it's really important as people don't seem to be as interested in baseball as they used to be, that we have great events like this that really show fans that the players are really great guys um, and that baseball is a really fun sport. And I think that's exactly what the Cincinnati all-star game did. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so, so, okay. So the, just getting back to a couple things you mentioned then. So the fans vote on 
who plays, right? They they vote on a starting lineup. Oh, of okay. The, of the position players. Okay. And then the the players and coaches, managers get a vote. They they get a vote, so they get to contribute. Uh, and then the the uh, the game manager. So the the world's the managers of the World Series last year managed the game, the All Star game this year. Uh, they get to make the final selections, and then there's the final player is put up for each league. Five players are put up for a final vote in each <laughs> league. Um, and we had the Reds had uh, Johnny Cueto as a, a one of our starting pitchers. He was up for it, but he did not make it. He did not qualify. So, um, so it was a big push here uh, in Cincinnati, but we didn't make it. But so, so the the fans have a big involvement in in the All Star Game. That's cool. Though. I imagine that would also increase the fan buy-in because I mean that's one, been one of the problems I know with the NHL All Star Game the last number of years. Uh, the, the ratings drop because it's meaningless and the scores are out of control and no one really seems to care about it too much anymore. Yeah. So it's actually, that's actually a really good idea to get some fan buy in into the game. Not to mention the fact that it, like you said before, it actually does mean something. Uh, so, so Sarah, you're also saying, so Cincinnati hosted the game this year. I was just looking on Wikipedia cause that's my, the extent of my wonderful research that I do. Uh, 1988 was the last was the one last time mm-hmm. at Riverfront the last one Stadium. we held here. Yeah. 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 Uh, yep. So, so does it like rotate around the league, different cities get to host it or, or how do they, do you know how they figure that part out? They, there's a bidding process. So you go through a bidding process. It alternates from the AL to the NL every year, um, back and forth. Uh, so next year, well, actually next year, I think it's in San Diego, which is also an NL park. So I don't know. Uh, okay. but they, they bid, they, so each, team can put together a bid package and MLB assigns it out, but it does generally rotate around the league. Yeah. Okay. And so which, which rules do they play then? Home team rules. Oh, okay. So I think, I don't know if the, I don't know. I I can't remember if there was a DH in the game or not. I I I think there was a designated hitter in the game. So Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. I can't, there was one. Yeah, I think oh. that there was, because um, okay. I remember thinking, oh, they're in Cincinnati. Why are they doing a designated hitter? But it might be that they do the opposite rules when they're in a national league or, you know, it's quite complicated and they change the rules every year. So I can't really keep up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, don't get me started about rule changes. Uh, uh, well, you, you know. don't play real football, but so <laughs> oh, I'll be ranting about that in this podcast too. believe and me. Then, you know, they did change the rules for the um, home run derby. Home run this year, derby, so- yeah. That was really where I was focusing on trying to learn those rules. <laughs> didn't really worry about the game. <laughs> so speaking of this, so uh, you know, given uh, that I'm in Canada, uh, our biggest sports commentators happen to be hockey guys because you know why not? And so because it's Canada, <laughs> it's Canada right. so the, the great hockey commentator Don Cherry of Coach's Corner fame. I think he's about eighty years old now. Uh, he went on this ten tweet rant the night of the all-star game about the, about the, the uh, home run competition. Uh, it, it's quite good. So he said, I watched the home run derby last night and I'll tell you, it was exciting. I like the format where time is a factor. Of course, the ending couldn't have been better. Hometown boy, Todd Fraser comes from behind to win. The Cincinnati crowd went home happy. Everything was perfect except for one thing. It wasn't fair. Now, remember, this is not sour grapes because Donaldson did not win. Donaldson, of course, for Toronto and Don Cherry would be, you know, a fan of Toronto. It's our only team up here. So 
this is facts. I'll give you the scenario as, as McLean, his co-host on Hockey Night in Canada, would say. Uh, say Prince Fielder comes to Cincinnati and he gets a guy to pitch to him he has never seen before. You get a couple pitches to start, but the pitcher really doesn't know where Fielder's groove is. Now Todd Fraser has but his... But they get to select their own pitcher. <laughs> it's... No, I'm going to... Hold on. They pick their pitcher no matter who it is. So like... Ugh, never mind. Okay, fine. Oh, no. Father Kyle, you're, you're on to uh, the right path here because that's... That is just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. You know, Todd <laughs> Frazier got to pick his, it was his brother. kid brother, right? It was his brother, yeah. but I want to say it was his younger brother or something. Everyone gets to pick. If you want, you can also pick a coach from your team. Like, hello. I mean, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> I, no, fooey, fooey to that person. Uh, he he yeah. suggests what, what should happen is uh, names of five pitchers should be put in a hat and then they're drawn. Uh, by the luck of the blah, draw. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. blah. He's uh, wrong. So, back, well, stick hey. to hockey. Yeah, this is hockey. He does, he, actually, he did used to play baseball back in his younger years. Not like majors or anything, but he did play professional hockey. So, in his off seasons, he played baseball. Uh, but, yeah, so that's Don Cherry of Canada. Well. Perfect. <laughs> I do yes. like him. He's entertaining, though. And he's right about hockey pretty much most well, of the time. Okay, he can stick with hockey. <laughs> but as a as a watching the all or the home run derby in Cincinnati with Todd Frazier hitting those bombs late in the rounds to tie it, it was so exciting. It, and it just it gave a lot of real excitement to the to the to the city. Everyone was talking about it the next day, uh, and I think. Uh, baseball as a rule is not a timed sport, but the changes that they introduced to the home run derby this year were, were to introduce a clock. So you had originally it was going to be a five minute clock per per round, but because of a threat of storms coming in, they shortened it to a four minute clock per round, and it just gave it a lot of excitement. Would he get those you know those final swings in to get it over the fence? And it just it kept it moving a lot faster than it had in the past. Every pitch was important. And so it was something that uh, I think baseball, by universal acclaim, baseball did 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 a good job on uh, <laughs> on that uh, on the changes to the home run derby. They they made it much more exciting than it had been in the past. Almost universal acclaim, apparently. Well, yeah, except for one <laughs> hockey commentator in Canada. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So here's another question. Then does the like so the All Star Game means something does the the home run derby mean something or is it just more for for fun win a car or something just for fun okay and bragging rights which which are of course very important oh absolutely (laughs) awesome so the season is now just over half done uh do you guys have any predictions would you like to make predictions for the various leagues uh, given how things have gone so far who will come out with uh with playoff spots the Braves will not. The Braves will not? You're, you're on record? I'm on record that the Atlanta Braves will not go to the playoffs. <laughs> really? The, the Reds should be, I mean, they should have unleashed, they should have sold their players. They should have sold Cueto and Chapman and a couple others by this point already, and they're just toying around, and I'm so mad at the Reds right now for that fact. <laughs> hey, they're only 16 and a half games back from the lead, eight and a half out of a wild card spot. 
Yeah, they're and they have to jump over <laughs> about forty two teams. Yeah, so just sell and pl- plan for uh, sixteen, seventeen, and just because we're not going to keep Quato, we're not uh, because he's a free agent at the end of the year. Sell him, you know, and right. that's what everyone wants to see, and and uh, whatever. But anyways, um, who do we, who do I think is going to go to the the World Series? Sure. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, it pains me to say it, but I think that either the Cardinals or the Dodgers have the best chance from the National League. I was going to say the Dodgers because I just can't say that other team. Uh. <laughs> and then from the St. Louis Air or which one? League, yeah, I mean, that one? Maybe it'll be the Expos. Kansas the City. Former Expos? Yeah, the former <laughs> Expos. Uh, I can't. No love there. <laughs> I think uh, Kansas City has a good shot from the American League sign. Yeah, um, the Yankees are actually relevant again, so that could be a thing. Yeah. It would be really interesting to see the Astros make it, though, because you know, two years ago they were the Lastros. I mean, they were just absolutely, utterly awful. Yeah. And, and they they sold everything. They sold all their high price players. They sold everybody and just really rebuilt from the farm system up. And so now, the, they're giving a a, a great um, blueprint for how to you know sort of Moneyball version two of how to do this. <laughs> um, and so it really, I would love to see them at least uh, make a run at it. They're they're close. They're a game and a half out of their out of their division. I don't. It looks like they're close in the wild card. They yeah. probably tied with the wild card lead. Kind right of slumping now, so. a bit lately, though. Three and seven yeah. in the last ten, but anyway. Yeah. yeah, but you know we're coming off the All Star break, and it always takes a little bit of time to get back in a groove. So it's yeah. all good. Yeah. Baseball's a funny game. <laughs> so, like, do do players often take that week off or and go places if they're not playing in the All Star game? I'm sure they go home and sleep. I mean, they play. <laughs> They play what 162 games in an obscenely short period of time. I'm, yeah. I'm sure um just go home and rest. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think a couple them. of them take vacations just to like just go to the beach and and rest up or something like that. So sounds good. Yeah, so Kansas City, they're hot. Uh, my Blue Jays, you know, they're only four games out of a wild card spot. Could happen. <laughs> They're so, it's, they're so streaky, though. I don't know. They, they'll go on a tear and win a pile of games, and then they'll hit a slump and lose a pile of games. So I it's, don't know. I don't know. Base, like you, baseball is a funny game, and you never know what's going to happen. So There's still a but lot of time that, left. This but is that's true. why I love baseball, because from one night to the next, you know, the worst team in baseball, let's see, is – what the Brewers were that uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh no, Philadelphia. The Phillies. Uh, the Phillies. Yeah. The Phillies. They're thirty-two and sixty-two. Hey, they're only yeah, they're, nineteen yeah. games out of a out of a playoff. Yeah, spot. yeah, yeah. It's because they're also in the worst um, <laughs> division <laughs> this year, alongside the Braves. So the National League East is pathetic. Yeah, but, yeah. But what you could see is the Phillies get on a hot streak. They've won the last three games. And oh, yeah. you know they could they could uh, they could go against the Cardinals and sweep the Cardinals, who are the best team in the divi- in the league. So you just it's just baseball's funny like that, and that's what's so fun about baseball. <laughs> yeah, look out! You heard it here first. The Phillies could. Yeah, okay, maybe not. That's <laughs> I'm pushing not putting, it. I won't put money on that. That's <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Father Daryl likes to draw these strong lines. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I just follow the hockey commentators here, I guess. 
I mean, but really though, the Phillies are worse by ten games more than any other team in the league. Uh, nice. Colorado's thirty nine wins. Oh, thirty nine. Yeah, well, that's yeah. still pretty bad. Yeah. The Braves yeah. lost to the Rockies. Let's not discuss. <laughs> okay, I won't, we won't reopen those wounds. Just no. it's just uh, we're just having a bad season. I mean, it's a miracle that we've won forty three games. <laughs> but at least the Braves, the front office, and the Braves know they're having a bad season, and they've like. They've made no secrets. Like, yeah, we know this season's gone. We're just we're planning for next year and the year after. The Reds still have this glimmer of this illusion of, oh, we're still in it. We can still make a run. I'm like, no, you're 16 and a half games out. You're not. No, just <laughs> stop it. Sell. Just uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, wild card. Wild card. Yeah. Well, they need to do away with that second wild card because that's what's dooming the Reds. Oh, really? <laughs> that one game playoff game is horrible. It's just, it's terrible for fans. Yeah. Don't aim for that because that's just ridiculous. Uh, just, I've, uh, I've been to the game. It was, it was ridiculous. Infield fly. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, too soon. Too soon. Too, too soon. soon. Uh oh. <laughs> we threw trash on the field. I was there. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> I didn't throw trash on the field. I was too far. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so has like wildcard teams, have they ever gone anywhere in the playoffs? Yeah, they have actually. Yeah. The last couple they've made runs. So, so yeah, so it, I mean to get in there is to cuz usually wildcard teams are playing hot at the at the end of the season and they kind of ride that wave going into this into the postseason, but but you still now when they introduce the second wildcard, it's such a uh it, man, it's such a oh, it's such a <laughs> what is I mean, it's, uh, you, you just—it's so unpredictable for a one-game playoff. So you just never know. It's almost Base- like football. Is, yeah, yeah, baseball is not meant to be a one-game playoff, like because you can have players who come out and have a really, really bad day, and the next day they're going to come out and they're going to be amazing. I, so I just have a really big problem with it. Baseball should be more on the series, like it always has been, rather than this one-game nonsense. Right. Right. I mean, because I, I, I would imagine that you don't necessarily get the best team moving on in that case. Correct. You know, that's the critique. Like the best yep. team that can withstand a whole seven games or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they, you know, I think that's one of the reasons they did it, though, because then they want to stress winning your division outright instead of uh, instead of getting into that um, uh, into that uh, playoff game, one game playoff. <laughs> Awesome. Well, okay. So now I'm all caught up. I, I should start actually watching some baseball now. Cosign. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like every day, every day. Well, Hey, I just moved into Saskatoon. My TV is now all set up and ready to go. So <laughs> all I need is for life to slow down a little bit and have time to watch baseball and Hey, I can do it. Oh wait, you yeah. have things to do. What's up? With <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for for joining me in this segment. A lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. Thanks so much. So a huge thank you to Father Kyle Schnippel and Sarah Vabulous for joining me. 
That was so much fun. Thank you very much. Now, I want to rant a little bit, if you'll indulge me for a moment. Uh, This is about the Canadian Football League, which is easily the other religion in the province of Saskatchewan and is enormously popular throughout Canada. So two things that I want to talk about. First of all, my beloved Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They have started the season with a blistering record, going 0-4. Yay. Uh, including losing three games at home. Oy, oy, oy. Uh, now, they've lost these four games by a combined total of 12 points. And so lots of close games and some heartbreaking defeats in the final minutes of a couple of the games. But in that time, this team has had something like 14 starters suffer significant injuries. I mean, like guys on on the six-game injured list or even in some cases done for the season. So guys on the six-game list, including uh, star Canadian linebacker Shea Emery, huge loss in the defense, uh, electrifying receiver Ryan Smith, uh, and then, of course, the, the dominant special teams player Levi Steinhauer, among many others. And then, of course, the team suffered the devastation of losing their franchise quarterback, Darian Durant, for the entire season with ruptured Achilles tendon back in the first game of the season. So so they've gone 0-4. And I mean, so much has been going on this year with injuries for the entire league, actually. Uh, the, the Edmonton Eskimos, the Montreal Alouettes, they lost their starting quarterbacks in the first game of the season. Uh, actually, Montreal lost their backup in the same game. Uh, now, fortunately for them, their third stringer, Rakeem Cato, has turned out to be pretty amazing. So, so they've been fortunate there. But just tremendous injuries throughout the league. I know Calgary suffered a lot as well. Uh, it reminds me, in a way, of, of the 2008 season. You know, in, in Saskatchewan, there were something like six players that broke their ankles early on. So, so injuries are not foreign to the Riders. They're not foreign to the league. But as you can imagine, with with so many significant injuries, the Riders are struggling. Uh, I was at their last game against the BC Lions in Regina, and then the Lions are a force this season. I mean, there's no doubt. I think I think they have actually a good shot to to end up first in the Western Division. And uh, the Riders suffered a couple more significant injuries in that game as well. And, and you could tell from the coaching staff perspective, a lot of their plans for that game went out the window. Now, what gets me, and this is why I want to rant, people are panicking in Rider Nation. I hear people on the call-in shows, I see, I read them on the internet, predicting the worst. You know, apparently there are some people even desiring a coaching change, a change from Corey Chamberlain, who won the Grey Cup in 2013, who I think is one of the greatest coaches we've had in, a, you know, in, in, in franchise history. This is not the time to panic. There have been so many changes due to injury that, that, that quite frankly, I think this team could use some continuity right now. You know, they've been in every game. They aren't getting blown out. And remember back to 2011, uh, to the BC Lions. Now, the BC Lions started that season 0-5. That year, they won their sixth Grey Cup. So, Ryder Nation, don't panic. Seriously. We need to have some perspective. 
Now, I, I know that the coaches and, and the players, they don't use injuries as an excuse, but seriously, how can you lose a guy like Darian Durant or Shea Emery or, or now in the latest game, Tristan Jackson? How can you lose guys like this and not feel it? The team is close. <laughs> Actually, you know, this, this may be a little bit out there, but I think we could be primed for an upset next week against Hamilton, believe it or not. You know, so, so don't panic. Rider Nation, get it together. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a, one more thing I'd like to talk about with, with the CFL. I, I guess I'm in a ranting mood right now. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't record a, a podcast for seven weeks or so. You get a lot of pent-up stuff. But, you know, the rule changes this year in the CFL. I want to talk about this for a bit. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think some of these rule changes that were instituted in the CFL in the offseason, beginning for this season here, they were, I think, in some cases, an overreaction. You know, last season was one of those years where the defenses happened to dominate. And I mean, this happens from time to time. You know, this is one of those seasons where for TV audiences, especially, uh, we were treated to, to a lot of games that were much less than the usual high scoring excitement that, that we're used to. But these things do happen. You know, last season, there were a few younger quarterbacks in the league, and there was an expansion team that took a number of players in an expansion draft from the different teams in the league. So we shouldn't be surprised, I think, if the scoring went down for a season or so. It's happened before. It'll probably happen again. But in response to this, it seems to me like the CFL kind of overreacted. You know, they instituted a number of rule changes to try and bring in more offense Despite the fact that in previous years, the old rules had generated plenty of offense, just not last season. And I think these rules have changed the game and it wasn't all for the better. Now, the biggest one for me is the change to way pass interference is called. Basically, before now, there was a judgment by the official about whether a defensive back was truly interfering with the receiver. And and oftentimes, the, the, the referee got it right. Sometimes they didn't, so the CFL instituted a challenge, a coach's challenge, and that that's fine. You know, get try to get the right call as best you can. But you know, this is part of the the nature of a game that's refereed by human beings. You deal with it. It's part of the game. So this year, they've basically eliminated pretty much all contact after five yards off the line of scrimmage. I think this was too much. You know, watching this this game uh, last Friday in Regina, I I couldn't tell what was pass interference, what wasn't. It was like you touch the player, flag comes out, the ball moves down to the the point of foul. It, It was just too much. It's so much harder for a DB to defend against the receivers now. You know, I th- I thought that uh, G. Roy Simon, he was he was uh, chatting on Twitter with with uh, Jason Claremont. So both of these were were great receivers with the BC Lions. Uh, G. Roy was also actually they were both with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for a little bit too. Uh, G. Roy holds uh, receiving records, you know, just one of the greatest receivers to ever play the game. 
And he and Jason Claremont pointed out that (laughs) wouldn't it have been nice to have had the defenses handcuffed like this back when they played? You know, G. Roy Simon, (laughs) he figures that he'd have had an easy extra 5,000 yards added to his receiving totals. And you know what? I I think he's got a real point. I also wonder, what does this do to to his record? (laughs) Do do we put an asterisk beside it now or, or what? So... The nature of how how you defend against a pass has changed. So I don't think this has been for the better. I think the CFL kind of overreacted on this this rule change. And, you know, I for one kind of wish that they would roll it back to the way that the game has been played for decades. (laughs) The way that, that I grew up watching the game played. Let the DBs do their thing. Let the receivers do their thing. And if there was interference, let the referees do their thing. You know, uh, so what do you guys think? You know, I, I'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Head over to the sportsfathers.com, leave a comment there, or, or or head over to our Facebook or Twitter accounts and leave a comment. We want to hear from you. You, know, what do you think of these rule changes? What do you think about the Riders and their rocky start? Or, or for that matter, what's your favorite team? You know, how are they doing? Let us know. Head over to the sportsfathers.com. And now to close the show, we've got Father Kyle Sanders, or Father Kyle the Lesser, as we sometimes called him. Uh, he's been watching a lot of golf, especially the recent uh, the recent Open tournament. So let's take a listen. This year has seen 21-year-old Jordan Spieth take the golf world by storm. In every corner, there are whisperings. Is he the next tiger? Will this quiet and intense young man be the next face of golf? Rory McIlroy had been the closest to this, and although he is the number one ranked golfer in the world, he is yet to dominate like Jack or Arnold or Tiger once did. The beginning of this year, Spieth wins the Masters. Not by one stroke, not by two strokes, not by three strokes, but by a full four strokes. And has the great virtue of not allowing his mistakes to hinder him. We watched time and again in golf Rory McIlroy blow up. But Spieth seems to be more like the precipice of a waterfall. Even though there's great pressure, it just flows right off his back. And then in June, he wins the US Open at a course that is more akin to Scotland than the United States, and he won through the consistent shooting and a lucky three-putt by Dustin Johnson. Coming into the British Open, to the course that started golf, Royal St. Andrews, Spieth was slated to be the favorite. He would be the first to win the first three majors since Ben Hogan in 1953, when my father was a mere four years old. And St. Andrews holds similarities to Chambers Bay. It's on a harsh coastline. There would probably be a strong breeze, and rain could play a factor. The stage was set for history to be repeated. At the end of the first round, 
Spieth was two shots back and was surrounded by a leaderboard of familiar faces. Dustin Johnson seemed to have recovered from his breakdown at the U.S. Open by taking the lead. Behind him were Zach Johnson, who, since his win in the Masters in 2007, hasn't made many splashes in a major, but has always been a consistent golfer. Jason Day, who over the past few years has really developed into a fantastic golfer and is ready to win his first major. Along with him were Paul Lowry and Retief Goosen, who have won the Open in the past. But the surprise of the tournament went to four amateurs. Ashley Chesters, a two-time European amateur champion from England. Jordan Nieberger, the Oklahoma State rising senior from Wisconsin. Paul Dunn, the recent graduate of the University of Alabama at Birmingham from County Wicklow, Ireland. And Ali Schneidergens, the recent graduate of Georgia Tech from Dallas, Texas, who turned pro right after the Open. The two Americans and the Englishman finished in the top 20. And we'll hear a little bit later about Dunn. The second round of play took almost two days to complete. The winds were so strong that they were moving balls that had been at rest. There were gusts of up to 50 miles an hour. It was as if this ancient game and this ancient course was experiencing unsettling change. Could speech match Hogan? Or would an amateur come to repeat the seemingly impossible feat only Bobby Jones holds and an amateur claiming the claret jug? By the end of the second round, after wind and rain had washed away names like Snedeker and Bradley and Watson and Woods, Dustin Johnson was well on his way to making up for his foible in Washington. Behind him seemed more history in the making. One behind the lead stood Danny Willett, the son of a minister and an Englishman. Was there hope that an Englishman could again lift the claret jug after a drought of 64 years? Speed struggled, but still wasn't out of the picture. And there were also proven winners like Laurie and Zach Johnson and Adam Scott and Day and Louis Osterhusen and Retief Goosen in the race. On a Sunday third round, the wind died down to give players an open opportunity to catch two-day leader Dustin Johnson. The Australian Mark Leishman and the unblinking Padraig Harrington took the opportunity, registering a 64 and 65 respectively, bringing both into contention. Dustin Johnson couldn't maintain composure and shot a poor 75. Sunday ended with a three-way tie. Louis Osterhusen, who won the Open the last time it was held at St. Andrews, Paul Dunn, the Irish amateur, and Jason Day, who was looking forward to knocking his first major. Speed found himself only one shot behind the trio of leaders. A Monday final round and a harsh environment with an unforgiving back nine would prove to be an exciting day on the old course. Danny Willett couldn't live up to the English dream. Paul Dunn couldn't handle the pressure of a final group, shooting six over. Exciting runs from Zach Johnson and Mark Leishman put pressure on Osterhusen, Day, and Spieth. Zach finished a full hour ahead of the final group, and so watched and waited to see if anyone could match or beat his under-15 score. 
Leishman did, tying a tournament low third and fourth round score of 130. Day and Spieth both had opportunities on 18 to join Johnson and Leishman in a playoff, but both couldn't convert birdie putts. Ostehusen had, had to sink a birdie putt on 18 to get into the exclusive party of extending the Open to its longest run in its over 100-year history. The South African has been one of the most consistent players on the tour over the past few years, and it was no surprise he made the clutch putt to take three men to the four-hole playoff. The first hole pretty much eliminated Leishman, who bogeyed while Johnson and Ostehusen birdied. Johnson pulled ahead in the second hole with a second birdie, and when they moved to the 17th hole, which is the third hole of the playoff, no one could convert par. So going into the final hole, and probably the easiest of the four, Johnson kept the lead. After arriving on the green, all hinged on a birdie putt by Ostehusen. Johnson had made his par, and so waited for his South African competitor. Ostehusen had, before him, a relatively straight 12-foot putt to take the playoff into sudden death. He missed it just wide, giving Johnson his second major. The second major in a row, one putt decided the final outcome. It was an end to one of the most exciting four rounds of golf I've ever followed. At the old course, there felt this great newness as a new generation of golfers vied for the highest single achievement in golf, winning the Open at St. Andrews. This year provides great expectations for years to come. Tiger Woods might be struggling, but the generation he inspired is filling in his footsteps. I look forward to see what Spieth, Dunn, Schneiderjens, and Nieberger do. Zach Johnson, too, has a good 10 more years of young golf to play. And the play of Jim Furyk and Retief Goose and Show 40-something still have a say. This game may be old, but it is ever new. This is Father Kyle Sanders, Sports Father's Golf Correspondent, signing off. So a huge thank you to Father Kyle Sanders for that. And also, uh, of course, another big thank you to, to Sarah Vabulous and to Father Kyle Schnippel for talking baseball earlier on. That pretty much wraps up this episode of the Sports Fathers. Again, we would love to hear from you. Uh, love to hear your thoughts about anything that we've talked about or anything in the world of sports. You can head over to thesportsfathers.com, leave a comment in the show notes, or head over to our Facebook or Twitter and let us know what you think we'd also appreciate it very much if you headed over to itunes to the sports fathers account there uh, and leave a review that really helps uh, increase the visibility of the podcast and and lets more people listen to it so if you like the show please head over to itunes and leave a review and thanks for listening have a great day and god bless